Welcome to the Bulldog Bite, your powerhouse for all things University of Georgia football. And now your hosts, Whit Barfield, Ian Kessler, and Garrett Chapman. Georgia versus Missouri this week. How you feeling about it? Uh, bad. Missouri's a good football team. You know, they are just top 25 level. I mean, they're way better than Kent State. They absolutely suck. Are we sure they're completely. actually better than Kent State? I think Kent, I, think so. I actually Kent I think Kent State would kick their butt. No, I think it'd be a decent football game. I, think I mean, look, like forty seven. Kent State, Kent State had they they went out. And they actually scheduled some some decent opponents. I mean, respect for for mm-hmm. due. I they guess, get that but. money. <laughs> yeah, they got so they got a paycheck. I'll tell you that much. They may not get a bowl game, but they <laughs> 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 look. But uh, no, I kid, I kid. No, they uh, Kent State was a good team, and they showed it. I mean, they're they're one of the favorites to win that conference. Wouldn't surprise me if they go out and do that and go play in a bowl game and, and have a good season. But look, they wouldn't got their paycheck. Good on them. Uh, Missouri, we'll see if they can get to a bowl game after what they did last week. I don't know if they want to go to a bowl game, man. I, I Eli Drinkwitz is a I like Eli Drinkwitz. It just hasn't seemed to click for him. It just has not seemed to click for him yet. And I don't know what is stopping. What's up with that program? I really don't. I mean, because if you watch the end of that Auburn game, I don't think that... How do you recover from that, first off? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been a big fan of Eli Drinkwitz, especially after he made fun of Dan Mullen. And I feel like a lot of people were really high on him to kind of bring that program around, which obviously everybody always is. When you bring in a new head coach for a team, you just automatically like, he's going to bring us back. He's going to bring us around, which doesn't obviously... Happens very rarely. But even I was kind of like... Just looking at him, the way he's done at App State and just some of the games he had them win, I really was kind of high on him. You know, I wasn't exactly worried for Missouri to challenge Georgia for the SEC East, but I really thought they were going to be at least a step ahead of where they were, especially not at the point where they were in that Auburn game. I mean, that was atrocious. The way they were just, it was like they didn't want to win the game. Just like you were saying that, like, it, do they want to play a bowl game? I don't know, especially after that game, the way it looked. I really was a lot higher on him and what he would do for Missouri. I mean, he's brought in some decent recruits like Luther Burden. They got that kid over there. I mean, he is a true – he's a dude. He plays great. He is some. He's a muscly wide receiver. He's going to punish you, and he's going to hit you when he gets a chance. I, I mean, I know he's only a freshman. I know they got some drama going on with him right now. But, I mean, you look at that guy, and he's got everything it is to put it together. I just think the team he's on is kind of holding it back. So, well, and I'll say this too. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz obviously is a pretty good offensive mind. I mean, you saw what he did with App State when he mm-hmm. was there. Um, when he had his hands on Drew Locke for the one or two years he had him, they had a good offense. I mean, they were pretty solid. I mean, I, I want to say they finished second in the East one year, and I know they finished third or fourth. They, they usually they were in that top three range. Um, so he's he's got it. He just has to be able to recruit well enough to bring in the players to do what he wants to do. And obviously Luther Burton is a big part of that. Um, if I'm Luther Burton though, like why in the world would I go to Missouri? I, that makes no sense. He was from there. Yeah. Hometown hero, buddy. Yeah. But you're a five-star guy. I mean, Missouri has not shown you anything of how, like why they would send you to the NFL. They or- did have a decent quarterback recruited in that class. They had Sam Horn who from right down the road at Collins Hill yep. in Georgia. I mean, he's he was not a pushover quarterback. Yeah, he wasn't super highly ranked like a lot of other guys, but he he was a decent, good quarterback. He's played with some good players. He he knows what it's like to get the ball to some athletes. Well, they certainly need some kind of change of quarterback because so far this year, Leon, let's look at a couple numbers here. I pulled up some numbers on the smart one over here. <laughs> uh, on offense, they are ranked 78th overall in the country. 
They are 96th in passing offense and 42nd in rushing offense. Now, 42nd, not terrible. Could be could be worse for well, it's what a team Eli. It's what Drinkowitz wants to do. Yeah, it's what he I mean, wants, he to, wants to, do. to he run had the, the ball. SEC's leading rusher a year exactly. ago. I mean, he wants to establish the rushing attack. He just hasn't really had much of an opportunity to do that. No. I mean, when you get boat raised by Kansas State, who I mean, look, we saw last week that that's that's a pretty good football team they have over there in uh, in Kansas. I mean, look, Kansas how about the state teams. of Kansas, by the way? I mean, like, look, you got two teams that are actually looking pretty good right now. But no, I mean, he got he got run off the field by Kansas State. I mean. He wants to run the football. He just really hasn't had much of an opportunity to do that. No, I mean, when, when you lose a guy like Tyler Batty, too, you can't expect to come into the season and immediately have a really strong run game. And honestly, for me, when I look at Missouri, pretty much every every single year, I feel like if they were in a different conference, they would be better than they are in the SEC because they recruit at a top 32 level pretty much year in and year out. I mean, if you look at the 24-7 top talented teams composite rankings right now for 2022 season they're ranked 30 i want to say it's 31 or 32 overall so pretty much averaging every player's recruiting ranking going from you know when the last the youngest player on the oldest player on the team is at that point um but when you look at the sec they're ranked 13th the sec out of 14 teams the only team that's ranked lower than them is vanderbilt and honestly if you watch the tape vanderbilt looks better than they do this year Vandy looks pretty good man i I mean look i I, going back so this is his what third fourth year fourth overall here at at missouri Uh, i mean george the line right now is four touchdowns so 28 and a half points georgia has beaten them on average by a square of like what 32 and a half points yeah, last three years, that's brutal. When the closest game that you guys have played in the last three years is a twenty-seven to nothing boat race, that doesn't smell good things for your program. I, I I just don't see how Georgia has any trouble at all in any phase of the game. I mean, especially coming off of the week that they just had against Kent State. I mean, you let a Kent State team stay in a football game because you made mistakes. Not necessarily because Kent State is like a world beater or a very good football team, which I mean credit to the to them. I mean, like they're they're a fine team. But the the only reason they were really in that football game is because Georgia made mistakes. They turned the ball over in key spots. They they had the the, the muffed punt that led to a field goal. They had that bad tackling, they had bad angles. Uh that's the only reason that Kent State was in that football game. And and look, when with Missouri coming to town, you're already outmatched talent wise. You're 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 not looking good. You're, you're fresh off of a miserable defeat on the road against Auburn. You're zero and one in SEC play already, and you're coming up coming up against a pissed off Georgia team who's going to come in and kick you in the shorts. This is this is just not going to be very, very pretty at all. This is not a good place for to be if you're Eli Drinkwitz. I think Georgia very easily covers when it comes to that whole situation. But I mean, I know like you were saying earlier, like Drinkwitz. He wants to push that kind of run game. He wants to develop that run game, even though it was hard with the guy they lost last year being the leading rusher. But I feel like their running backs haven't really been the problem. I mean, most of their running backs are averaging at least four yards a carry. I know that's not spectacular numbers, but those aren't atrocious numbers, especially when you got four or five guys doing it. They're, I feel like, moving the ball decently. But the problem, I feel like, is you come in a quarterback. You have a guy who's thrown four touchdowns, but he's thrown four picks to go along with those touchdowns. He's not throwing many touchdowns. I mean, we're going – that's four games, so he's throwing one touchdown a game, but he's also throwing a pick to match it. I mean, I feel like that's what's you. That's what's hurting it. I mean, you got 
a guy who can't really get the ball out without giving it to another team, you're just basically all the work your running backs are doing is for nothing when you're just constantly giving them the ball back and basically shutting down your offense. I mean, I think really, if anything, they should be focusing on their run a little bit more just to kind of carry them. Yeah, and, and and flipping the script and actually looking back at what Georgia's bringing to this game, too. We, we talked about this a little bit last episode. I mean, Jalen Carter didn't play last week. A.D. Mitchell didn't play last week. Arian Smith didn't play last week. Like, you're looking at a team that really was not 100%. Mm-hmm. It was far from it. You're lo- you lost some of your most dynamic weapons on offense. I mean, <laughs> you bring in those guys. I mean, A.D. Mitchell was your leading receiver last year, right? Yeah, it was like one, I think he was your third leading receiver last year. But he was like one of the guys who could stretch the field all the way down, you know. I and and you lose that it was, if you're Stetson Bennett. That's a very difficult position to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, I, I think Georgia's going to come back in here healthy, uh, and they have something to prove. I mean, Jalen Carter J- missing Jalen Carter. You saw that mm-hmm. last week because for as many as many mistakes as they made, the run defense really didn't look that good. It was not very effective against the run last week. They were they were doing what they wanted to do. Uh, it just got to the point where it's like the lead was too, was too great. They needed to throw the ball to stay in the football game. But uh, there were at times opportunities for Kent State to run the football effectively, and they did. Yeah, I think you hit exactly how I feel about one of our key to victories is like right on the head. I feel like it comes down to that defensive line. I mean, they didn't feel like they were exactly imposing their will on Kent State. I mean, just everything you said just hits it right on the head. You kind of look at that, and I know a lot of that has to do with Jalen Carter kind of not playing a whole lot, you know, dealing with that nagging injury, which I think a lot of him not playing this past week was more preventative than it was a necessity, which I'm glad. I mean, obviously, we really didn't need him a whole lot versus Kent State. The game probably would have looked a little bit prettier with him in the game, but I'm going to take a win like that if it means our most dynamic defensive player gets a little bit of some rest to come back more healthy. But I think if he comes in, that's going to be one of the biggest things that will be a key victory to us because then you can kind of bring everybody back in. I mean, yeah, Barry Alexander was, I mean, doing pretty good that game. I really didn't expect him to come on that strong this early in the season. I thought, you know, with his shoulder, everything that happened with him having to have that surgery, I thought he was it was going to take a little bit later in the season for him to kind of start coming into form. But he's playing really good I thought he would have to put more size on but he's doing just fine where he's at he's playing hard he's making some plays but I mean that defensive line after kind of a little bit how there were some plays where they were kind of getting bullied a little bit in Kent State I think they need to come back and they really need to start imposing their will on Missouri because you know they they got some decent running backs I feel like I feel like they don't have no superstars but I feel like they have competent running backs which means I think they really need to come in and just they need to beat that offensive line down. They got to get some confidence, and I think Missouri's a good team for that. Yeah, and honestly, I think it, you'll see it too. I mean, being in the stadium watching the linebackers play this week, I know you guys were saying the rushing their rushing defense didn't look as good as it usually does. Watching uh, Dumas Johnson and Samuel Mondin, number two, playing at that middle linebacker position, they look awesome. They look mm-hmm. phenomenal. I mean, I think they look almost as good as Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean did last year. One of my favorite things they about phenomenal. Jemis Dumas Johnson is I feel like you're watching him get better week by week. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had, what, 12 tackles this week or something like yeah. that? I mean, he was and two sacks. all over the place. Well, yeah. that's always been the most important position for Kirby Smart defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. mean, you look at the fact that the – so George's had – and since Kirby Smart's been in, in Athens, he's had two Buckets Award winners. 
Ironically, or maybe not so much, both years that you had a Buckus Award winner, the University of Georgia was playing in a national championship game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have successful line, inside, interior linebackers in a Kirby Smart defense, he is an inside-out type of defense where it's like that just changes the course of, of what you can do as, as like, with your front seven. Like, you get a guy in there in the middle, I got, you're not just going to replace N'Kobe Dean. Like, that's just not going to happen. Just like you weren't going to replace Roquan Smith. Like, that was not, that, that, that kind of, those guys don't grow on trees just based off of a leadership <laughs> perspective, based off of the way that they can rally and attack the football, just like that mentality that they bring. Uh, it's hard to replace. And you're probably not just going to do that overnight. But look, when you get positive play out of your interior linebacker position in a George D, this, with this Kirby Smart defense, that unit is all of a sudden elevated to, to like elite levels that they, that they're, they've, Honestly, that most fans have come to expect. Well, the good thing for Georgia too is we have Glenn Schumann as our. I was just about like Glenn Schumann, man. He's <laughs> Dude, he's something. He's a miracle worker. I mean, look what he did in year one with Kirby Smart. Tay Crowder inside. I mean, dude, dude was recruited as a running back. Yeah, and now he's playing. He's starting in the NFL for the New York Giants, embodying Derrick and, Henry, and he looks great. And he's playing great. It's it's unbelievable what they've done. Uh, but I mean, look, Nicobe Dean, Roquan Smith. Quay Walker now, first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Channing Tindall, another guy that got picked up. I think he got picked up in the third round. Mm-hmm. I think he went before N'Kobe Dean did, too. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, like, another guy that's starting in the NFL. Yeah, Trayvon Walker. I mean, I mean, look, you've got a, like, you've got a lot of talent. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever going to weep for Georgia when they lose a guy. <laughs> no. They're one of those programs. They're always going to have a next-man-up mentality because, well, there is a next-man-up. Yeah. There's plenty of talent in Athens, and, and look, it <laughs> It's a good problem to have when you're when you're rotating these guys. I mean, we talked about it last episode, like the like what we're looking at the secondary based off of the the Bullyard situation. And look, he he played 47 snaps, and that led all defensive backs. I do. Like, they split time consistently at every level of the field because look, you have that much talent. Everybody eats. One of the things that I kind of want to piggyback on you were saying earlier, and I mean. Y'all out there can correct me if I'm wrong. This may just be some crazy weird dream I've had. But I feel like I've heard Kirby Smart say, like, that middle linebacker is like the quarterback of the defense. Yeah, oh, yeah. he is there. Certainly he's is. the one who's bringing in the plays. He's telling everybody what's going on. He's the one, if things are happening, he's having to tell people to move. They are in charge almost of that Whoa. defense. And oh. I, you can really see it the way Kirby Smart puts all that weight onto these it's like his biggest attribute when it comes to finding a linebacker is leadership. I feel like that's what he looks for because he almost knows he can build them into the player they need to be. He just needs that leadership. Yeah, mentality. of course. And that's sort of like that intangible that, that you have to have as a middle linebacker. And that was like, like I said earlier, I'm like, look, this is, that was one of the keys to the season. You lose guys like that. You lose what, how many players, the five, five first round picks. You don't lose. You don't just replace talent like that. Like, I understand Georgia's extremely talented. They go through and they, they get the top recruits every single year. Uh, they're, they've been a, a perennial top three recruiting class since Kirby Smart's been there. But you don't just replace those guys. Uh, like, those guys, it takes a little bit of time. So seeing the elevation of that into, that linebacker position has been probably one of the biggest bright spots from the season so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think safety, too, is another position for Kirby Smart that he – is big time on. You got to have a leader back there in the backfield. I think the only two captains he's had on the defense that were not middle linebackers have been Richard LeCount in 2020 mm-hmm. and this year with Chris Smith. Chris yeah. Smith coming into the season, I think you could say it's probably the um, probably the 
leader of the defense, probably the best player we have on defense, mm-hmm. to be completely honest, him or Jalen Carter for sure. I think one of the craziest stats that I saw was where, you know, before this past week where three of the top four graded safeties were all Georgia players. You had Christopher Smith at one. I think you had Dan Jackson in third, and then you had Malachi Starks at fourth. I mean, honestly, I did not expect our safety room to be as deep as it is this year. So, Wit, did you have a key to victory? So, my key to victory is just show up. Show up to this game. Show up to Columbia, Missouri. Watch, we're going to have more fans at the stadium than Missouri's going to have. I, like, come on. This is Georgia football. This is Kirby Smart's football team. Uh, we're, I mean, this isn't a game we're going to show up and get beat. It's just not. Like, I, I don't see it. This well, it is shouldn't not, be. No, it won't be. I mean, I, I know it for a fact. I, I'm not worried about it anymore. There's no no Munsoning from me from here on out. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I know South Carolina happened in 20, 2019 in San Francisco Stadium, whatever. Well, I mean, look, I mean, like this is I understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, like this is this is a group that they're, they're more talented than just about any team that they're going to play. So really, most mostly all they have to do is show up. Um, but it's like when you do show up, make sure you're awake and actually ready to go, you know, like do your preparation, make sure you're ready to go doing the right things that you need to be doing as a, as a football team, because as long as you're doing those things, there's no reason they should lose this game. I mean, like you're 28 and a half point favorites for a reason. Oh yeah. So, but don't roll your helmet out there because at the same time, you're, you're not only preparing for this opponent, you're preparing for every subsequent opponent after that. Although that's true. I still think we could just show up for this game, literally roll the helmets out there, and we would win the football game. Probably. Same with Kent State. I, I mean, and look. But the, not, the downside is saying, that's what they did last Correct. Week. I'm not saying I'm not going to be disappointed if we only beat Missouri by three points. I will be very disappointed if that's what happens. But it's not, number one, that's not what's going to happen. And number two, I'm like, and I, I say show up because I'm saying it as I'm not worried about Kirby Smart's football team ever. I know Kirby Smart's going to have them ready to go every single week. I know that we're more talented than any football team we're going to take the field with this entire season, especially freaking Missouri. Missouri is ranked 13th in the SEC in recruiting in total talent right now. 13th. That is second to last. And like I said before, the last place team is Vanderbilt, and I think Vanderbilt is better than Missouri this year. I think they look better. Granted, they just got slaughtered by Alabama, but well, still. Most teams would. Who wouldn't? Exactly. Missouri will get slaughtered by Alabama, too, if they play, which I don't think they do. Texas wouldn't get slaughtered by Alabama. <laughs> okay. In Austin, it was a big game. <laughs> it was Whatever. a huge game. No, so my key to victory really is, I, I, it's not as much a key to victory as more as something I want to see from this game. Um, I want to see the rushing attack show up. Like, there's no reason. I'm, I'm taking a look at these stats here. Uh, there's no reason that Brock Bowers needs to be your fourth leading rusher. I understand he's a talented. He is as talented an athlete as they come. He is he is as as unicorny as a unicorn can get for a tight end position. He's because he's not really a tight end. He's just an offensive playmaker, you know. Mm-hmm. But he should not be uh, with three total carries. Should not be fourth on your team in rushing. There is little to no excuse for that. I want to see what Kendall Milton can do. Uh, is is a. Uh, Kenny McIntosh is Kenny McIntosh is a little banged up for this game. I I, I don't know yeah, if he's, he's yeah he got, got banged a up against hamstring bruise. So there may he may or may not be playing in this game. So I want to see what Dejon Edwards can do. I want to see what Kendall Milton can do. I want to see some of these other guys step up and really assert themselves and take command of this number one running back because I don't think there is a number one running back on this team. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly not a good thing that there's who is your guy at the end of the day. Like last year, when you look at this team last year. Zamir White, you knew if you needed a tough carry, you could put the ball in his gut and he was going to get you some tough yards. I don't know who's that this year. Brock Who is Bowers. that? 
It's Brock Bowers. <laughs> it can't be Brock. You move, okay. you, move, you move Brock Bowers to running back. You stick Lord. Eric Gilbert in the Brock Bowers role. Man, if we could clone problems. that guy, I think there'd be if no we had four, If there were 11, if he lined up for a 47-yard field goal, I'd have the utmost confidence that he's drilling that thing. <laughs> like, that's the kind of guy that he is. If, if, Like you said, if you can clone this dude, if you can give me 22 Brock Bowers, I'll take I'll take that run I, to Sanford Stadium and, and I'll be like, yeah, let's I see what we could do. I would love to see him throw a passing touchdown. You know, I'm going to do that when the new I guarantee he will. I bet he will, too. He will at some point. I bet you. I bet there is a play for that. I bet you that's what that... The jet sweep is going to be a touch. That's what's going to. Yeah, actually, that's kind of what I was. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Trust me, I don't think anybody the opposing coaches are listening. To this. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty confident that that's not going to be the case. But look, look, he can do every single thing on a football field. He blocks effectively. He runs effectively. Uh, he, he catches the ball. He has an incredible radius. His speed is incredible. But he should not be fourth on your team in rushing mm-hmm. as a tight end when you have multiple talented athletes on this football team who can do it. Like, I, like, I don't want to see that. This yeah. dude's had three carries, for God's sake. I mean, mm-hmm. Lord. That's why you give him 25 carries a game. You put him in the backfield. He's your number <laughs> one leading rusher. Formation. Yeah, 25 I bet he's touchdowns good. a game every no. time he touches hey, the ball. He, he's the, the exact Arthur Smith needs to be. take some notes, man. Get your playmaker of the football. But no, nah, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> or, or change your quarterback. Not Jordan. <laughs> All right, getting into some UGA recruiting. It's been an interesting week, to say the least, considering last week and now this week. We had some pretty big visitors at our, at Georgia, and we also had some big visitors that we are going after very hard go to some other schools. Um, we've also had some good predictions come in for us. So starting with the predictions, Jordan Hall. We officially got a crystal ball for him. And that's pretty big for us because he is kind of at the top of our board when it comes to a D-line recruit we're looking for. He is a top 150 nationally kid. He's a top 20 defensive lineman in the state. I mean, the kid, he has got a lot of the measurables. He's six, four and a half, three hundred pounds. He's a big dude. And you talk to a lot of people. I know he's 16th best D-lineman in the class, but you talk to a lot of people and a lot of them will say he's the best true defensive lineman in the class, and they think he's going to rise a lot. And that happens with a lot of Georgia guys. We find some diamonds in the rough, and they kind of pop up. That kid, is he's hes something else. He's really good. Kind of going from there, piggybacking off some D linemen. You got James Smith and Quay Rousseau. They both were at a visit for Alabama this week, which I think is a pretty big visit for us to talk about because with James Smith and Quay Rousseau, they are – it's really essentially between us and Alabama – and they're kind of almost a package deal at this point. James Smith, five-star D lineman. Quay Rousseau, five-star edge rusher. We're in it for a lot of top. I mean, like if you really you take out Keon Keeley out of the mix, who Alabama's in it for. Really, the top four edge rushers we're in it for. So I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And so you go more from edge rusher. You go to Samuel and Peppa. That is a huge person we are very much leading for right now. You know, Steve Wolfong is the almost leading name when it comes to recruiting. He, his word is almost how it goes a lot of the times. And he's, you know, leaning very heavy for Samuel and Peppa to go for Georgia, who I think is the biggest freak athlete in this whole class. I mean, the kid, he plays at IMG, which is the powerhouse high school in almost the nation. And he started out at wide receiver. 
he got too big for wide receiver. They moved him to tight end. He got too big for tight end. And I mean, I know that's a little weird when you look at Darnell Washington, but he, so they put him at edge rusher. And now he's had his first season finally getting to focus on the defensive side of edge rusher. And he's just tearing it up. The kid is a freak athlete. That reminds me of Isaac Nauda. Yeah, I know, right? A couple years ago, he played at Buford. Uh, I played a consecutive in high school and he just, he took our lunch money. Um, no, but then he went, he actually transferred down to IMG speaking yep. of which, mm-hmm. and he played both that defensive end and tight end. He played tight end at UGA. And, um, I mean, many people remember him. He was a very highly touted recruit. Didn't really amount to too much. He was always a very exciting. He was a good college player. Athlete. He was a solid player. Yeah. He was his, a solid his player. His last two years, he was really good. He was very good. I remember in that fumble recovery with uh, the Jake Fromm. Yeah. And he ended up running the football uh, and yeah, it just like, bounced gets, directly into his hands. Yep, and against he just, Tennessee in hey, house called it. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I remember that play specifically. But he was he was one of those do- like dynamic players, and that's exciting. I love hearing that. The one thing that I'm going to talk about with Samuel and Peppa is what I always take it back and look at is when Jalen Carter was a recruit. I remember seeing a video of him like jumping up and one handed catching a ball. I mean, Jalen Carter is just a freak athlete, and I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to being a good football player. Georgia will take the athletes and make them into a monster. Samuel and Pepe, I think, is going to be a good example of that he's a freak athlete that we are going to hand mold. Going from that, though, Hakeem Williams, huge wide receiver recruit. We were going for a very heavy, you know, at one point it seemed like it was a Georgia-Texas A&M battle. I mean, it was going back and forth. You know, we had some NIL speculation going on. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I think that's the biggest factor. But then things kind of started switching up. You started hearing some Pitt love. And then, you know, Pitt was getting some energy. But then FSU kind of came out of nowhere. And the kid is from Florida. So then he starts getting that FSU love. And he ended up committing to FSU this past week. I mean, big target we were going for. I know a lot of Georgia people were really hoping we could get him. He even got, you know, a composition to George Pickens, which I think, you know, they should have took that and ran with, with what that kid did at Georgia and now what he's doing at the Steelers, which is absolutely insane. But, you know, that's that's a big miss. Um, I don't hate it a whole lot because of Tyler Williams, who we have, is going to be committing this week. And... So at the time of this recording for Tyler Williams, he hasn't committed yet, but he is a very heavy Georgia lean. He's one that people have been talking about, but it's really between us and Miami right now, which if you look back at last year, you know, you had Georgia going at it a lot with Texas A&M. A lot of the kids Georgia was going for, Texas A&M was going after, and we all know what Texas A&M was doing in the NIL game. Well, now you got Miami. Miami's doing all that in the NIL game, and we're fighting Miami for a lot of recruits. Tyler Williams. Janelle, Jonelle Agrero, who we ended up getting. You got Monroe Freeling. I mean, we're going up against Miami in a lot of battles. And I mean, I think this one goes our way, especially after he went on an official visit to Miami and kind of, you know, everything that happened with him this past week right in front of him. And then lastly, Deuce Robinson, number one tight end in the country. You know, we already got two tight ends committed in the class, but there is absolutely zero way that if we get him, that Georgia doesn't happily take all three. They will happily take all three. And I know that we'll... You see what they do this year with the, the running 12 personnel. I mean, How exactly. How many people run a spread offense with 12 personnel? Exactly. We And Deuce Robinson, <laughs> incredible. he's 6'7", 230. He's basically the height of Darnell Washington, but you take 50 pounds off him. Kid's a freak athlete. He's also a double sport athlete. He's looking to probably get drafted in baseball. So I think Georgia's baseball is really helping us in that with him. And I mean, you can't ever count out Todd Hartley when it comes to getting a tight end. Uh, he's kind of a big, heavy, 
uh, USC lean right now because he is from Arizona. But I mean, from what I've heard from this weekend, we made a very good impression and we are in it for him. And I mean, you could see us getting another top number one tight end. I mean, the kid's a freak athlete. But that's kind of it for our recruiting on this week for UGA. We've actually had a lot just going on this week, and I'm excited to talk about it some more as it goes on and things develop and this class starts to form for the upcoming year. Well, Ian, we appreciate it, man. I'm glad you. you keep up with that stuff. Oh, man. Much it's like better crack. than the rest of us. Um, but moving on, we got picks of the week. We're going to go to the SEC, uh, pick our best or the three best SEC games of the week, as well as the Georgia game. Uh, to end the picks. So starting off, spread or money line? What do we think? We're doing spread for sure. Ooh, okay. All Absolutely. Right. Give the people something spread. good. No, I we're like we're it. trying to make people money. <laughs> trying to make some money here. Come on now. Come on. Let's now. make ourselves some money. So the first game, we got Texas A&M coming off the big win against Arkansas, uh, heading to Starkville, Mississippi, taking on the Bizarro Dogs, Mississippi <laughs> State. Uh, Mississippi State is a three and a half point favorite, which is kind of a surprise to me after this weekend. But well, they have one of the best defenses in the SEC. I'm very, I'm very excited to see what Texas A&M can actually do against that defense. Uh, Texas A&M, I mean, they have average what thirty. They haven't had a game that's gone over thirty five points this season before this week. Um, Mississippi State, another tough nosed defense. I don't necessarily think that this three and a half line is all that crazy. Mississippi State's a good football team, and they are one blown fourth quarter lead against LSU away from being an undefeated team, and probably top twenty. That wouldn't surprise me at all if they jumped into that AP poll if they if they had held on and beaten LSU. Um, three and a half points is not that crazy, just because the fact that you look at this Jimbo Fisher offense, it's anemic. It's it's terrible. They finally got a chain aching the ball, uh, and you saw what he could do with it. I mean, you get the ball into the high, hands of your playmakers. Nia Smith is another guy. They, they Look, they got to get those offensive playmakers going. They finally were able to do that a little bit against Arkansas, but I don't know if that was as much Texas A&M getting it going or Arkansas's defense just more rearing its ugly head once more. If, uh, it was an ugly game. If but, you know anything about the 2019 Georgia offense with James Coley coaching, you know exactly why that Texas A&M offense is struggling. It's not a great it's offense. James exact- Coley, Texas A&M passing coordinator. Passing coordinator, yeah. It, they basically brought him in only for recruiting, but, I mean, he's he's not the best offensive mind. I mean, he wasn't good for us. I look at this spread, and I really don't know how to feel about it. I look at Texas A&M. They lose to App State, but they're beating top – they've beat three top ten teams. You can't just ignore that even if they have lost to App State. You know, it's – they're just a really hard team for me to look at. Like, I feel like if I focus on how they played against App State, I could easily pick Mississippi State kind of covering the spread and winning it, and I think I could see them win by, you know, maybe 10. But, you know, that's a very stingy Texas A&M defense. They're, that's really the only thing keeping them in any kind of football games. See, Texas A&M, I think the play here is if, if you get this hook especially – so if you're up to three and a half, I'm going to take Texas A&M plus three and a half. Okay. I think Mississippi State can win this football game. I think they very easily could cover the spread. But I'm not fully convinced that that offense is really going to be able to get anything going, especially in Starkville. It's on the road. Do we know if it's a, it's a nightcap? It's not, I feel like it might be a nightcap. That's I what it, it sounds like. But uh, we can double-check that time. But look <laughs> – I think it's going to be a good game, but it's going to be a slobber knocker type of affair where it's going to be a low scoring game. I would anticipate something like a 20 to 20 to 17, just something ugly uh, where you kind of leave that game asking yourself if there actually was a winner from that game. 
Um, so my pick, Texas A&M, I'm going to go plus three and a half. You know, I I love watching Mike's Leach, Mike Leach's facial expressions on the side of that field. It's just priceless. He's hysterical. He's so funny to me. Uh, I'm I'm honestly I I'm not super confident in this, but I'm gonna pick Mississippi State to cover. I just think with it being home for them, I think that offense for Texas A&M just isn't gonna get going enough for them to win. I think that I think it is gonna be low scoring, but I think Mississippi State just kind of edges it out and wins it and covers the spread. I would not be surprised if Mississippi State won this game. Uh, I, I'm higher on A&M than a lot of people are. Um, I actually have a bet with a good buddy of mine that A&M will win nine games this year, uh, which I second-guessed myself on after the App State game. But, I, I mean, I think since Miami, they look good against Miami. Uh, offense, obviously, is just kind of slow, but they're beating teams. I mean, honestly, it does remind me a lot of the 2019 Georgia team where the defense is doing enough to – they're, the defense is pretty much dominating offenses, and then the offense is doing just enough to stay in front of everybody else. So, An ugly win's still a win. A win's a win. A win's a win. I mean, I think this is a top 10 team. I really do. I think it's at the bottom of the top 10 and not a top 5 team like I thought it was going to be coming to the year. Yeah, that offense is going to hold them back. No, but bringing in Max Johnson was a big, big, big swing for them. I mean, he's not, you know, Heisman. I don't know if it was a big swing. Guy. It was certainly a swing. Yeah. I mean, probably he, a bunt. He can complete <laughs> passes. Unlike Haynes King can't even throw the ball. I mean, that yeah. dude, Haynes King. All right, fine, a swinging bunt. All right. Like, Max, <laughs> Max, Max Johnson's not a superstar. He's not a big town, but he's a gamer. That's why I like Max Johnson. He's a gamer. And this is this whole reason LSU beat Florida back in 2020 was because of Max Johnson. Dude threw for over 300 yards and had nothing to do with him throwing bombs across the field. Had everything to do with him moving around well in the pocket and finding open receivers, which is exactly what he did against Arkansas and exactly what he did against Miami when available. Either way, I'm going to pick A&M. I think it's a close game. I think they win, you know, I'm going to say like 13 to 24, something like that. And uh, moving on to our next game. By the way, it's a 3 p.m. Central time game. So Ooh, not ESPN. a nightcap, but still the lights will come on at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, it'll be an ESPN game. And uh, next game we have is Kentucky at Ole Miss. It's a great game. To the Grove. Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite against a top seven Kentucky team right now. Both teams undefeated. That's a little disrespectful to me. I, I don't think that there there may not be a more disrespected team than Kentucky. That, that 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 they have done nothing but dominate their opponents all season. And I am not fully convinced that Jackson Dart is that guy for Ole Miss. I have not seen really anything from Ole Miss that really is going to convince me that they are a better a six and a half point favorite. I get it, you're at home, but. Good Lord. I mean, Kentucky has done nothing. I mean, is Chris Rodriguez back in this game? I think he is. I think Chris Rodriguez is about to get the ball 25 times. I believe he was suspended for four games. He was the SEC's second leading rusher last year. He was probably yeah. the best running back in the in the conference last year. Mm-hmm. And he missed the first four games of the season. I, know he's, I think he is back this week. I mean, I'm, be week I'm pretty positive he is. I'm fairly positive that Chris Rodriguez is back for this football game. And so what we've seen so far from a top 10 team in the country, a team that's done nothing, shown us no weaknesses, no real legitimate weaknesses, having a top a potential NFL quarterback like taking the snaps. No, you just added in their best player in Chris Rodriguez. So no, I'm going to take Kentucky all the way in this game. I think it's a little disrespectful that they're six and a half point dogs. I get maybe like a one or a two point, but six and a half is a little rich. So Kentucky plus six and a half, I think is an easy pick for me. I look at this one and I'm kind of like, I'm back and forth on it. I feel like Ole Miss being at home, this is really something they could 
kind of hit a stride and this really what breaks through the rest of their season. But I feel like this should also kind of could be a moment that breaks the rest of their season where they kind of sit this and they linger on it a little too long. I, I really don't know how to feel with that. I think I'm going to kind of go with you and I think I'm going to take Kentucky on the plus six and a half. I just feel like with getting that weapon back, that quarterback back there, with Will Levis, even though he does put mayonnaise in his coffee, <laughs> I think I think they Kentucky's just I think they're a very well disciplined team. And even when it's kind of rough, they're gonna keep churning and they're gonna keep playing. And I, you know, I don't really it's not that I don't have faith in a Lane Kiffin coach team to not do that. I just see Kentucky being better at it. I see Kentucky being more consistent with it, and that's why I'm kind of going with Kentucky, too, in the same way. Yeah, see, for me, it comes down to the fact that I've seen Kentucky play a football team that I consider to be a pretty good football team in Florida. I don't think Florida's a top 25 team, but I think they're a top 35 team for sure. I mean, they're they're well-coached, they're physical, um, and Kentucky pretty much completely stopped them from running the ball. Um, They threw the ball pretty well against them, which is good for Will Levis. Honestly, the worst part of Kentucky's team this year has been their rush, their rushing attack, which typically is not the case. And then you bring Chris Rodriguez back this this week. Um, like Cavassi Smoke has been fine. He's fine, but he's not a he's not. Chris he's got Rodriguez. a cool name. He's got a great name. That doesn't mean he's. A, he's and they have be. they have another guy too whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. And he's good. You can't they're forget Cavassi Smoke though. Cavassi Smoke's very good. No, but Chris Rodriguez. They showed you something in that Florida game. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think they're a good football team. Um. I think if Ole Miss can come into the game and throw the ball really well, like, I mean, I'm talking like 350 yards, a couple touchdowns, whatever. Jackson Dart takes control of the game. I think they win it. I don't see that happening, though. I haven't seen it happen yet. They haven't had a game where Jackson Dart's just gone off yet. Like, he's played well. He's played well, and he hasn't had to go off because, I mean, the best team they've played is Georgia Tech. And, I mean, we saw what happened to Georgia Tech this week. They just had their coach and their athletic director fired. So I feel like one thing we haven't talked about, though, is, I mean, Ole Miss does have a good running game. They have They've a great running a very game. Solid but Kentucky game. is well known for having one of the yeah. best rushing defenses year in and year out. You saw what they did against Anthony Richardson. I mean, exactly. Anthony Richardson's probably one of the best rushers, just pure rushers, athletes in the backfield of any team in the SEC. He had six carries for four yards. Yeah. This is a game I definitely want to check out and make sure to watch. It'll be a close This game. is going to be a great football. This is yeah. probably the game of the week. I yeah. will not be shocked if either one of these teams win. Yeah. Not at all. I, I'm going to pick Kentucky with the spread for sure. Uh, plus six and a half. I think it's very, very close, like a three or four point game. Um, but I am picking Kentucky. And uh, moving on to our next game. This is, is it the college game day game? I don't think so. Maybe think not. they're going to Michigan. Are they going to Michigan? Michigan Arbor. Who's Michigan playing? You know, Minnesota. Michigan, oh, that's terrible. Uh, I, no, figured, I, I think figured, that's a great game. I figured this was a college, day, uh, college game day game, but I guess not. Alabama's playing Arkansas, who up until last week was a top 10 team, and they had it into Fayetteville. Um, first time that Alabama has been less than a 20-point favorite against Arkansas ever in history, and uh, they are 17-point. Oh, no, they're NC State and Clemson. That's a much better oh, game. Kind of looking at this game – before Arkansas losing to A&M and everything, I really saw Arkansas had a good chance going into the season to kind of knock off Alabama, get a win on them. But, you know, the more I kind of look at it after I've seen that game, I don't want to switch up on them completely. I think it will be closer than 17 points. I think it will be within maybe a touchdown and a field goal, so within 10 points. I think Arkansas kind of has the chance to catch them off guard and win it. Do I think they will? 
Not really. I think Alabama's going to win, but I don't think Alabama covers. I think it's closer than what this spread suggests. But I do. I could see if the if everything kind of falls right for Arkansas, where Alabama kind of has another game like they did against Texas, and Arkansas kind of comes back swinging after their loss against Texas A&M, I could see Arkansas winning this game. It's a wounded animal sort of effect. I see what you're saying there. Um, I also think. I mean, like, look, this was a seven point game last year. Uh, KJ Jefferson is probably the most dynamic quarterback in the SEC. Uh, he's a very exciting player to watch and he'll show, and he's got the, he'll have a national audience that, this week with the, I'm sure that's the CBS game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, three thirty, three thirty game. So he's going to have the national audience again. I, I think he, he didn't look great last week. And I think, I don't want to say he got exposed, but he had a couple miscues that like he tried to, he tried to Reggie Bush it from the four yard line across and they go right over the top. Uh, you weren't going to do that. What are you doing there? <laughs> and I mean, if he doesn't have like little mistakes like that, then that's a different football game. But uh, I think 17 points, that's a lot of points. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're going to cover, but the thing is Alabama's looked like Alabama. And when Alabama gets rolling, it's hard to stop them. I hate that word. Well, get used to it, man. It's, it's <laughs> Alabama football. It is what it is. And um, I, I'm kind of torn on this because it's a lot of points. So, but I think Arkansas comes back. I think Arkansas, um, I think they'll be a better football team. Uh, but they're, they they didn't show anything on that defense that defense to, to, to make me think that they can slow down Bryce Young. The, their biggest question mark is if KJ, KJ Jefferson can really carry them again this year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough ask, but I think they can cover a 17-point spread. Yeah. I want to pick Arkansas really bad. I do. I've wanted to all year. I've thought about it. Um, I had Arkansas as the second best team in the SEC West this year. And honestly, I thought coming to this game, I'd feel better about them, but I do not feel very good about Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I think they come out firing. They take some shots. I think they go up early. Um, but in the end, Arkansas is giving up 302 yards per game in the pa- in uh, passing. Oh, if they score, the if they, no, if they <laughs> if they cover, the final score is going to be like 45 to 42 yeah. Yeah. or Which, something. It's going to be a high-scoring game. And I don't think – I mean, they have a great rushing attack. They have a great rushing attack. I don't think they're balanced enough to threaten Alabama's defense. And I think Bryce Young has his big breakout game of the year mm-hmm. and throws for probably about 400 yards. I mean, granted, their receivers aren't great, but they looked a lot better against Vanderbilt than they have they all did. season. So. I think they're starting to kind of find their groove, and this is not a good spot for Arkansas to be sitting in. So, but it's a wounded animal. I mean, it's a team that, hey, <laughs> you they dropped pretty pretty far in the rankings. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of surprised that they dropped all the way to twenty. Um, and look, they're playing for the rest of their lives right now. And I mean, worst thing you can do is back an animal into a corner, and a, a wounded animal, I should say. But so that may not be enough. To beat Alabama, Alabama still Alabama, um, but this, I think this can be a good football game. I mean, it is at Fayetteville. Anything could happen. You it's, never know. It's going to be rocking. I I think that rocking. is going to be a big thing. This is I the think biggest the game in Arkansas home game history. Yeah, hundred percent. In a while, 100%. at least. No history. <laughs> Easily. All right. Easily. 100%. That's bold. No. So. <laughs> Mark, Mark that's me a down. team that's won national championships. Mark me down. Mark me down for it. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't real, know about not that. Not real national championships, though. Come on. Jerry Jones won a national championship. Not, not really, though. He didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Either way, moving on to, oh, obviously, our game of the week, the Georgia-Missouri game. 
Uh, Georgia is a 28-and-a-half-point favorite going to Columbia, Missouri, playing in Tiger Stadium. I, I think they cover. No analysis? Just I, I just – it's – what more? I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, I just I feel like they cover. Uh, yeah, I like guess you talk about show up is the <laughs> yeah is the key to victory. I know so. you kind of like that backing a injured animal into a corner kind of thing. I know Georgia didn't lose, but Georgia didn't play a great game. Georgia kind of not really got embarrassed. I don't think they got embarrassed, but I think they, pissed off. They got pissed off, and I think it's going to be somewhat like that same mentality. And I think we're going to get like a Georgia versus South Carolina game. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly very quickly. Um, they cover the spread easily. I'm uh, twenty eight and a half is a big number. I know I was just talking about with this Arkansas seventeen points, but that's also Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And the I told you guys before, I think the average margin of victory in this game thirty two and a half points. They touched that. They probably hit that pretty pretty comfortably. I agree. We're gonna cover. I don't think it'll be that close. Um, I think it's probably gonna be like a thirty five point game, thirty five forty point game. Uh, Missouri's just not a good football team, man. They're not. I think we score 42 to 49, and I think we hold them to seven. That's how I see it uh, going. I thought you said the score was 42 to 49. No, I think we crazy? we hit 40s and we keep them under 10. Would surprise me. 56. 56 to 3. I they, don't score, they don't score a touchdown. No way. This is one of those games where I think come. George is going to want to come in and, and say, hey, you know, we're still we're still the top team in the country. Yeah, I think we're going to pound mm-hmm. them to the ground. Not worth it. A little overtime.